Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, Every single week, we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high-performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. Hey, my friends, it's Brendan Burchard, and welcome to a special episode of The Brendan Show. Hey, I'm Brendan Burchard, and I'm honored to be your high-performance coach today with this episode. 
I've spent the last 20 years studying human behavior change and writing, coaching, and training literally at the top levels on the topics of motivation, focus, productivity, confidence, and more. My goal, inspired by my own personal journey, is to help you and my audience live, love, and matter, which means to feel more vibrant, more connected, and more fulfilled in every area of your life. That's what we're doing today. If you like today's episode, grab a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Just tag me, at Brandon Burchard, so I can see you and give you a shout out or a hello. And if you want to go to another level of personal development in your life this month, be sure to join me live every month in my coaching program. Just visit hpxcoaching.com to get signed up. I teach a brand new personal development session every single month, meaning it's like a personal development seminar for you live every single month on the first of the month. And then after I teach that for about 75 minutes, then we do live breakouts where you get to meet new people, network with people, set your monthly goals and establish real accountability for your growth. Listen, you know that expert guidance and real consistency and an inspiring community is critical to your growth. So join me this month on the 1st. Just go to hpxcoaching.com. That's hpxcoaching.com. It's time to level up, my friend. It's time to take your year back. It's time to find that focus and that confidence and that vibrancy and that vibe again. Go to hpxcoaching.com and let me be your coach into fuller levels of high performance in every area of your life. Now, without further ado, let's jump into today's episode. We all want to make sure we end the year strong, but how, given all this turbulence, we all want to make sure that our culture is cared for in this chaotic time. We all want to make sure we're developing leaders. We all want to make sure that we care about people's wellness, but we're also aligned to moving the organizations forward. And how are we going to do that? You know, that's that's the essential question of so much of my career over the last 20 years is how do you help people succeed over the long term while maintaining their well-being and their positive relationships with other people? You know, meaning how do you have success at an individual and a team level that isn't compromised by having to burn out or having to, you know, step over people? And that's the that's a really, I really believe a galvanizing mission right now for all of us. And I I'll keep saying all of us here today because I think we're both in, no matter what you do, if you're on something like this, you're in the people development world. You know, you are here to help people learn, to help them grow, to help them contribute, to help them lead. And this year's tough. So talk about that. I will share right off the bat. Um, I have a bias with you and it's a strong bias. Uh, if you know my work, I do a lot of research and I'm a sort of a, a nut of history as well. And I deeply believe that this is the year where two groups of people are going to be undervalued and underappreciated. Uh, one of them certainly is teachers, as we see them adopting these new roles uh, and have to deal with the challenges. Parents are getting some you know, attention by the media, at least. But here's who's not. You. I think the underappreciated role of this entire year is anyone in HR, organizational development, people development, 
great leaders who are caring for their people in times of dramatic transition in the culture, in the workforce where they work. This is a time in which like the, the world will never quite understand how hard each of you have worked to guide your organizations and their people through this to, for some of you that you've had to pause people's work lives, let people go onboard people, change people, teach people how to do zoom. <laughs> I mean, you got to change policies, location, you, the HR professionals of this world are underappreciated, undervalued, and they don't get their praises sung enough. So forgive me to be a little, uh, self-serving or self-righteous at the very beginning with you, but I deeply want you to hear that from me. I value the work that you are doing in the world. I think you are underappreciated. And this year's story, five decades from now, will be so much about the people who showed up to help people transition and cope with these very difficult times in the workforce. And that's the challenge. We're not having that. So I'm here today to hopefully bring a, a little bit of, 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 I hope, spirit into this conversation, but also the one mechanism that we know is going to make the greatest difference, right? When I talk about these things like performance, when you talk about productivity at work, when you talk about culture at work, when you talk about leaders at work, when we're talking about wellness alignment, you know, when we talk about coping with this year, there's one mechanism, one driver, one lever. We all have to pull that we know from research and you know, from your history, your story, what you've learned in your life, that's going to move the needle. Habits. That's it. We would love it to be lots of other things. And as, as performance professionals, we often all get into thinking it's going to be, you know, a hundred different performance variables, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the tease of the research here. We measured a hundred performance variables across the highest performing people in 190 countries worldwide. And the difference maker in terms of their long-term success and again, long-term success defined as they maintained well-being and positive relationships. Guess what? Came down to their habits and just six specific performance habits that today I'd like to share with you, but also give a little insight into how you could use that to change the conversation right now in your organizations and with your people, which I know everybody desperately wants, right? Because we, we, we got to get people, we got to get our teams back onto level ground in a time when there was so much turbulence this year, so much confusion, so much vitriol, so much, what do I do? So much change on what's on people's plates because their coworkers left or were laid off or now are remote. And, it, you, and you're trying to work from home and the, the kids are there and the dogs are there and the, the leaf blowers are there. And you're like trying to figure out how do I stay sane during this time? Well, everybody's trying to figure that out. So our ground got shifted so much we, as professionals, have to figure out how do we get our people back on stable and confident ground? We've got to move the conversations using high performance as a, as a galvanizing phrase, using habits as a research-backed approach that we know will work to move people from coping with the craziness of this year back into performance. Now, I know when I say that, it's not as popular right now. Uh, it can seem insensitive if we're not careful about it. But we must do two things at once. We have to take care of our people. That, that's your role, right? You've got to take care of the people. And right now, everyone's trying to cope. You've created new policies, new ways of doing that. You've worked, you worked so hard this year. And a lot of that has been to help people adjust, adapt, cope. 
But we also have to own right now, this huge shift has to happen into moving it from just a coping conversation, just, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Here's how we've adapted back into performance. So we end the year strong and most importantly, set up next year to develop your leaders, to align your teams, to improve organizational results and performance at a time it's never mattered more, which will be Q1 of this next year. And so how do we do that? Well, we got to finish the year very deliberately, not just in reaction, not just in coping, but we have to start infusing the performance conversation and the messaging of our own people's habits in order to get them aligned to greater performance outcomes for next year. And I know I'm speaking your language here. I'm not telling you anything new on this. I'm hoping to in, in just share a little bit about what we learned from the research, because as of today, we've conducted the world's largest study of high performance that's ever been done. And as I shared with you, we'll talk about some of those results. But we've got a lot of perspective here. And because it's recent research and it's ongoing research, I think it's going to really help you grasp and hopefully utilize some simple concepts and tools that your people can understand, that they can get behind, that they can talk about, and everybody can be on the same page about, which is just vital right now. Uh, I've been obsessed about what helps people change since I was a 19-year-old kid. Uh, those who know my story, I was in a car accident when I was 19. Uh, up to that point, I had been a very depressed young man, a uh, heartbroken young man. I the, the love of my life at the time, my high school sweetheart, uh, she um, had gone outside of our relationship and it broke me in pieces. It's one of those things where, you know, if your identity has ever been tied up in a relationship or a role and that relationship, that role falls apart, you fall apart. And I fell apart and uh, I didn't have the coping mechanisms or the understanding of personal development or self-mastery or all the things we all often take for granted in people development. Um, I didn't have the consciousness or the maturity and I fell into depression and later, later suicidal ideation. And fortunately during that time, uh, I had, a, I had an accident unrelated and the car accident taught me the preciousness of life. And it helped me realize you know, here I was, this 19-year-old kid, and I'd been suicidal a little bit. I, I didn't want to take my life. The, the car accident made me realize I wanted life. I, I, it helped me realize I needed to have reverence for it. I needed to care for it. And I felt like I something opened up for me, a new understanding of life, and it made me more appreciative. And it, it gave me what, I, you know, if you know my brand or what I've taught for over the years, it helped me understand the value of second chances. It helped me understand that what we all want at the end of our lives is to live fully, to love openly and completely, and to make a difference, to matter. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? Became my mantra at 19 years old. I, last night when I went to bed, uh, right after I cut my own hair, <laughs> I know some of you are too. Guess what? I went to bed, I laid in bed, and I asked the same questions. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? I've gauged myself on that evaluative framework for, uh, gosh, 20, coming up on 25 years here. And so it's something I deeply cared about because I wanted to restart. I wanted a second chance. And that got me into personal development. And once I started getting into personal development, I got into psychology. Once I got into psychology, I got into philosophy. Once I got into that, I got into leadership. And so for the last, you know, 20 plus years, 
I, I read a book a week on these topics. I'm, I identify mostly as a researcher and secondly, as a writer and third, as a coach, because that's how I make my life and my living and our brands and our companies, 200 plus employees across all the different brands. I am somebody who spends a lot of time thinking about this. And what came to be really apparent to me was that those who succeeded long-term and who did it both quickly, but were able to sustain it, they must be doing something different. And I wanted to be a success too. So I started understanding it. Then I started my own companies and worked for major companies, worked for companies like Accenture. And when I was at Accenture, you know, at the time we were 86,000 employees. I left by the time we were, I think we were at 200,000. Um, and I learned a lot about the differences in people who succeed. And some people are quote unquote successful, but they're miserable. They're miserable in the role. They're disengaged. They don't feel connected. There's no real vitality and joy and fulfillment from what they're doing, even if they have the high pay. So there's a difference there. Some people succeed and they're happy and engaged. Some people like quote unquote, get ahead, but they're miserable. And is that really getting ahead? So I wondered what is it going to be that motivates people to reach higher levels of success in the first place, and what kinds of specific habits or training or tools or support are going to help them grow and improve. And that's been my, my efforts. And just like many of you, I learned along the way something that was revealed to us a long time ago from Aristotle, that all of that personal development, everything we do in our work life, that excellence, to quote Aristotle, excellence is an art won by training and habituation. We do not act rightly because we have virtue or excellence, but rather we have those because we have acted rightly. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because you know it. When, when you're on, when you're, when you're performing at your best in your own role and it's going, and you get, that's week after week, month after month. I mean, you, there's a vibe, there's an energy, there's a spirit, there's a joy. There's a performance that's happening there. And the question is, how do you give that to your people? How do you translate the concepts that you know about human behavior change into organizational change and excellence? One vehicle. The habits that you as a culture are espousing rallying behind, aligning, and measuring to. That's it. We all know it. All results are going to come from habits. All good results over a period of time are a result of routines and habits that have been measured, enculturated, and grown. And so we have to go beyond, this is my personal lead, we got to go way beyond where uh, the conversation has been about success for a long time, because here's what success usually looks like from like a beginner level leader or a beginner level when, you know, we're trying to teach people individually how to succeed. It's just like, Oh, you know, get into it, work really hard, be passionate, focus on your strengths, you know, practice, 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 be grateful, be candid, stick to it, be consistent, be persistent. I bet every one of you, if I could see all your faces, I bet, you know, somebody who did all of those things, all of those things and still didn't make it still didn't have success. They did all of them. I know a lot of grateful people who aren't at the success levels they desire. I know a lot of people who practice, who, who are candid and honest, good humans, and they struggle. These are good starting things, but we got to go way beyond that. We got to 
that's what got me going. It's like, I love this. This is good. This is personal development 101, isn't it? But sometimes professional development takes a little bit more. And so that's what began my research. Uh, we basically began at the High Performance Institute studying the top performers in the world. So to give you an idea, we collected data from over 2 million people. We've had the blessing of watching, uh, of assessing organizations across hundreds of organizations all around the world, 190 countries, to give you an idea. We've had, you know, online students who've been able to measure and monitor their progress, where they're stuck, where they're, you know, facing difficulties. We've done the empirical research to study the literature, but also had the empirical results of having the blessing of coaching over 40,000 people one-on-one, specifically on performance. And then I did over 400 structured interviews between myself and the team with the top 5% of leaders in the world from 11 different industries to simply understand what was the difference maker. And I want to let you know, I didn't go in with a perspective on this. Uh, I had opinions and thoughts, but this was an academically backed theoretical research study. We teamed up with uh, academics from University of Pennsylvania's positive psychology department and from UC Santa Barbara. And so we had psychologists leading us through to help us understand this. We had organizational development consultants working on the project, myself uh, helping lead that with the teams. And we got a lot of perspective. What did we find out? Well, across a hundred different performance variables, these are the variables that inevitably you've all measured, you've studied. I'm not teaching anything new here. But what we did uniquely in the research is we said, okay, out of all the performance variables that could make somebody, quote, unquote, successful or a team, quote, unquote, successful, which ones were done on purpose? Like they knew it wasn't unconscious competence. It was this person knows that they do these types of things and it gets them a result. Can we see that happen? Is that habit malleable? Can we change it, shift it, improve it? Is it trainable? Can you train this? And it's effective across multiple domains, industries, roles, categories. When we filtered out those 100 performance variables to that, it came down to six performance habits, uh, which was surprising, frankly. And some of the things that I thought would be on that list did not make that list, as well as almost every team member who's involved in the research study. We were like, oh, there's a lot of things we personally thought would be there. It wasn't there. That's the value, of course, of research is to test your assumptions and to go deep to understand what really moves the needle. And I think some of you uh, will find out today, some of the things we think move the needle most doesn't. And the things that do are often underappreciated and worse, not institutionalized, not created, managed, communicated, measured, celebrated, rewarded. And so you have people who are working real hard, but they're not achieving high performance. So what do we got to do? We got to understand what these performance uh, variables are that basically matter the most. And so what we found is there's kind of two realms here of what matters the most. What you do personally as an individual contributor, what your leaders do personally in their both their in, in their lives, what they do by themselves in their work life, in their home life, it could be anything. And then socially, like what do they do with their teams on the team in the company? And so there's two different bubbles here we'll talk about. We're going to talk about the personal habits of high performance, and then we'll talk about the social habits of high performance. And here's the deal. You cannot have an effective program 
in any HR, organizational development, learning development, any effort with people that does not specifically look at each of these six areas. Because if they don't, what happens is you might help people become more productive, achieve a specific result, but their well-being drops. The positive relationships that they have at work drop. So there's lots of performance variables, but I want to remind you high performance is specifically measured and discussed as a way to achieve long-term results while maintaining well-being and positive relationships. And I, this is why worldwide high performance, this book and the courses that we have, the tools that we have, the coaching that we have, the online assessments that we could give you, all of this has just, as you can imagine, this year 10 x because everyone's going, oh, we need to figure out how to not just navigate this, but we got to figure out how to take care of our people's wellness and their relationships. Because now a lot of them are working at home or remote. And so their relationships aren't the same at the water coolers that used to be. And at the same time, the number one theme of 2020 is being able to care for one's wellness amid all of this stress, amid the pandemic, amid the concerns, amid the challenges of a, a changing environment. And so high performance is something you must be talking about with your people, but don't forget it's just about performance. High performance is specifically correlated with long-term success, well-being, and positive relationships. You miss any of those pillars, we're in trouble. So I wanna set that context and get you excited about those things because everyone needs those things. The question has been how? How? The habits. You need a habit-specific program in your organization that everybody's talking about, that everybody's on the same page about, can align behind. And here's why habits are so safe and so um, positive. Because they're not just about people's strengths or personality. And that's important. Because when you talk about performance and it just keeps coming back to personality or style or strengths or horoscope <laughs> or enneagrams, guess what? That feels very judgmental. But behavior change driven by habits, that feels doable. Hey, it's Brendan, and I want to jump in the middle of this episode here real quick and tell you about something I'm really excited about and something uh, that answers a question that many of you have for me all the time, which is, Brendan, where do you get this crazy focus and energy in your life? And the truth is, I've developed a supplement line that really helps me do that. And frankly, I needed to. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you're trying to achieve big things, a lot of stress comes along. And as you're trying to achieve bigger things, you need to be on your A game more often. You need to be mentally sharp. You need to be mentally prepared. You need to be mentally energized and productive. And not once in a while, but like every day. You, you have to be on and sometimes guzzling more coffee isn't gonna do it. You have to use what we call nootropics, which are you know basically supplements that help optimize your brain. And yes, we have a product for exactly that. It's called HPX Optimize, and it is our most popular product. And you can get it. It's back in stock at hpxwellness.com. That's hpxwellness.com. 
hvacoptimize.com. You'll find HVX Optimize for your mental focus and energy there. You'll also find my favorite powdered energy drink that we created, it's 100% organic and vegan. And you'll find my essentials, which is my daily multi that I take that covers my energy, that covers my longevity, that covers my immunity, that covers my brain and body health that I absolutely love. And you will feel the difference. Go to hpxwellness.com right now, hpxwellness.com. Here's what we found high performance to mean. High performance means succeeding beyond standard norms consistently over the long term while maintaining well-being and positive relationships, right? I love that. Ask your CEO what they want. They're going to say that line. Help us succeed beyond what we usually do. Help us maintain it over the long term. Help us take care of our people. That's high performance. And what's cool is when you ask people who are the top performers in the world what it feels like when they're high performing, this is the three words they use. They say, I feel fully engaged. I'm in the moment. I love what I'm doing. We know that part, but there's joy there. There's joy. There's enthusiasm. And there's confidence because there's mastery. There's competence, as you and I would talk about in our careers. So think about it. If we could give your team full engagement right now, I mean, how hard is it to get people to engage in Zoom? <laughs> you know, how hard is it to get people engaged when they're remote? It's hard right now. You got to have some tools for that. How do you bring out energy, positive psychology, positive like yeah, empathy, compassion, enthusiasm, joy for other people in dark times? And how do you find your confidence when you're struggling, when you don't know what tomorrow looks like? That's the stuff of these habits. These habits give these results. That's why it's an exciting time to talk about this. I want to share that high performance in the research, this is really key. Uh, for, for professionals like us who really care about this and, and for what you do in your teams and organizations, high performance was not strongly correlated with age, gender, nationality, intelligence, personality, strengths, creativity, empathy, years of experience, or compensation. That's the most hopeful thing I've ever found in a piece of research in my 20 years researching. And when I say this, I mean, think about really look at this. This means... There's nothing more perhaps inclusive than habits. There's nothing more inclusive than habits because we can talk about habits and we understand that there are things that we do, not just who we are. And this discussing habits is a way to get away from the concerns of discrimination, discussing observable shared performance habits even frees us when people don't get the exact result we needed them to get because we have a process to examine. And I think this is important. I know I always get a lot of blowback on this research when, when people see this for the first time and they, they haven't studied a lot of literature and performance. Uh, I know that's not you all, but it's so funny because people say, well, high performance must be tied to compensation. And I'm like, how many of you all know somebody who's highly paid, but not high performing at work? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Who, who's worked for a manager who got paid a lot, but didn't do squat? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So no pay doesn't mean you're going to just cause you can pay more. You're going to perform more. You've all learned that. We all know that as compensation professionals, OMG, right? We also know it's important. It's not about personality and strengths, which is so freeing for those of us 
who've ever, you know, taken assessments that measured one of those things. Then we felt bad about ourselves because we didn't get the results we wanted. Uh, I think this is a very important point. So please allow me to hammer it a little bit. The research showed that high performance is not about one's strengths because a lot of people have strengths, but they don't have the right habits to get stuff done. And, and here's what we found out. High performers did not report working on their strengths any more than other people do. I know that sounds crazy, but listen to this. It's because high performers ask themselves less often, who am I and what am I good at? Naturally. Instead, they say, what's required to be a value and service here? And how do I grow into that and lead others and deliver that value and service? It's the question not of strengths, but what is required to be of service? And tell me that's not vital this year. Woo, right? Think about that. Like how many of us have strengths that just got blown out of the water this year and we had to adapt, right? Adaptation, the ability to, to understand what needs to happen in an organization to be most productive or prolific or of service outweighs the strengths. Listen, I wouldn't be here with you if I was here just based on my natural strengths, right? That this is supposedly the strengths-based movement, which by the way, I'm not discounting. I'm just saying it correlates less with long-term success, well-being, and positive relationships than these six specific habits. So please hear me. I am not discounting the strengths revolution. I think it's a wonderful conversation. I think there are great tools and coaches all around the world on those topics. It's just, we found something that correlated way higher than that. Only because a lot of the strengths we naturally have at birth or we find a proclivity to aren't always the things required to lead and serve at the next level of performance. Because remember, high performance, long-term continued consistent success, that requires growing into one's role, into one's capability, into one's potential. And isn't that why we all do the work? We don't do the work just to celebrate what someone's good at. We also do the work to develop that person to their full potentialities in being of service to the context required. Uh, my personal example is, I want you all to know, I it was a mortified person in terms of public speaking. Yeah, me. Uh, I'm, I'm the guy now who has 26 online courses. Uh, you know, I speak pretty much every day to 10 to 15 thousand people every single day, whether it's by zoom or out there in when I used to be out on the road, uh, I have the blessing of, uh, you know, having videos with 300 million video views, uh, over 25 million hours of my training. Our courses have now been consumed worldwide, 25 million hours. Uh, that's a lot. Though you can tell I'm kind of long-winded, <laughs> you know, well, what happens is I was mortified of public speaking. But I recognized, just like many of you, to go to another level of service in the world, I had to get outside of my comfort zones where my strengths lied and develop new competencies. And I know we all live for that, but I think that got lost in a little bit of a just celebrate people's strengths stuff. And what we found in correlations is these six habits are more important only because of that context of I need to learn how to serve. I need to grow into who I must become in order to serve at the level required of me or that I desire. So that leads us back to the six high performance habits.
And I hope this is helping you. And, and I talk about these things. I also want to let you know, these aren't just theoretical concepts to me because we've been implementing these worldwide in so many ways, probably since, you know, for, for over a decade, since 2009, the book came out in 2017. Um, but that research was ongoing for a long time, as you saw, to build that audience base and that research base that we could leverage. And so we've got a lot of tools to make this practical in your organizations. So what would we be making practical? Six specific things. Let's walk through each of these right now. Okay, number one, the number one personal habit of high performers is that they seek clarity more often than underperformers. Seek clarity. Notice it doesn't say get clarity because clarity is never gotten and locked, right? Seeking clarity means the adoption of the learning mindset, the growth mindset. It's the person at work who you have to you know, remind them, hey, make sure you prepare for the meeting and ask, what is the outcome of this meeting? What do we want to achieve? The person who does that is seeking clarity. Before they go in any performance environment, they're asking, oh, what's required of me here? What will be of service to me here? Uh, many of you know, I've had the blessing of teaching high performance to Oprah Winfrey and her entire leadership team. And one thing that I learned in that process uh, of developing courses with her and doing other work with Oprah was that she starts every meeting by saying, what's the intention of today's meeting? I think everyone knows Oprah's a pretty high-performing person, and she achieves that by starting with what's our intention. That's a, that's a practice of seeking clarity. Well, we've got to help people seek clarity for themselves right now. And that clarity is a practice of a set of questions around themselves, right? There's, there's like four different categories of clarity. And this might be helpful to you even as those of you working from home, right? As you can imagine. We've got to seek clarity of self. Who am I? What am I about? What do I find engaging? What do I find fulfilling? We have to seek clarity of how we socially add value, how we socially connect with other people, how we want to intend to treat other people and what we need from other people. We have to seek clarity about the skill sets we need to develop to achieve our goals. And we have to seek clarity about the service that we want to provide, the things that we find purposeful, meaningful. And so we're seeking clarity constantly, self, social, skill, and service. May I write this down? We're seeking clarity, self, social, skill, and service. And as we help people find clarity there, we found from the research, they find more confidence. As we've had help people find clarity there, every single one of the other habit scores rises. That's how powerful that is. And let me tell you this. When you get your organization aligned because clarity is there, clarity in where the company is going, clarity in what matters the most, clarity on how we're all measured, clarity on what winning even means, clarity on the difference between you and the competitors, clarity on how we should treat each other. Clarity is the single most important thing to reestablish to finish this year strong and to win 2021, period. If we don't get organizations aligned with clarity, we cannot win. We cannot change. We cannot pivot. We cannot adapt. Adaptation is a function 
of increased clarity. As long as it lasts. So we have, that's why we say seek clarity. We've got to teach organizations and teams and leaders to continually seek clarity, to be open-minded, to ask the questions, to keep reestablishing what's important. Second big idea, we've got to generate energy. And y'all love this. This is a topic really of wellness, if you will, that we've got to generate energy and be responsible for the energy that we are bringing into our workplaces. And we've got to teach our leaders and our employees and our teams that, listen, energy really matters. The energy you're projecting, how you're dealing with the energy coming at you, and specifically, how do you take care of yourself, your wellness, right? Energy has everything to do with how you manage stress, how you take care of the physical body, how you build a culture that has a vibe, right? And and the personal habits of a high performer is they're very conscious of their energy. I always share that, you know, uh, like high performance isn't something that, uh, you know, uh, happens. It's something that is generated. Energy is generated. I always say the power plant, if you think of a power plant, a power plant doesn't have any energy. A power plant takes energy from one level, one source, transforms it into a higher level of utilization, then transmits it to the world. In other words, a power plant generates energy from a lower level, transmits it to a higher level. This is what we must do now. We must change the tone and the energy in our organizations from coping and fear into confidence, direction, collaboration, alignment, and an excitement to perform again. We got to do it. Third thing we have to do, and third thing that high performers do, is they raise necessity. Raise necessity. What does that mean? It means that high performers in any given performance situation, they raise the psychological necessity. They raise the stakes to perform well. They say, I, you know, they don't, they don't go through the motions. They say it is vital and important that my performance today is on point, is focused, is driven towards outcomes that matter. It matters to me that I succeed here, right? And in personal development, we call this hunger, right? We call this hunger. This is heart. This is, I must do well for others. I must raise my A game so that I can contribute, serve, and help other people. That is what we mean by this, raise necessity. So we have to teach our people to do that. Otherwise, they just go through the motions. They stay hunkered down, and they don't understand the necessity of performing high right now. And I'm telling you what, a lot of people, they should know it. A lot of people should be aware that there's a crisis right now, but they don't. And you know that some of you coach people like that and you're working you're like, why aren't they rallying right now? Because they've never been taught how to raise necessity. You don't No, no one naturally raises necessity. You have to teach it. I work with Olympians, like gold medalist Olympians. They're, they don't, naturally do this. You, you have to summon a different level of motivation to perform at your top levels. And you have to do it consistently, which you all know, right? You all had that great conversation with the team member or an employee or a leader. You walked out and you know what? They were awesome for a week. The next week they fell apart. And you're like, what happened? Then you went in and worked with them again. It gave them a new boost of necessity. Oh, it's important that I succeed here. Ah, they got back on. 
So raising necessity is something you build into your habits as a professional working with others. Okay, let's talk about the social habits. We'll switch gear here. The social habits, this is what high performers do with others. Okay, those first habits I walked you through, those personal habits, I'll walk you through those again. Seek clarity, generate energy, raise necessity. Those are the internal game, if you will. We need to teach leaders how to win the internal game. This is the self-awareness slide for those who like that phrase. Okay, now we're into social habits. What do we actually do out into the world? First thing, we increase productivity. Obviously, high performers are increasing productivity. They're good at that, right? How do they do it? How do you get people working from home and over online tools now performing at higher levels than they've ever done before? We have to teach people how to increase productivity. How do we do that? Well, there's ways of teaching competency mastery, but there's also teaching people about PQO. This is something we learned from the research. PQO means prolific quality output. Prolific quality output. It means high performers have aligned their focus and their output with organizational goals that matter. This means they avoid distraction. This means they don't take on too much. This means they set boundaries. This means they know how to collaborate with people. This means they are aligned to what matters the most. And as we've all learned from research, people like Stephen R. Covey, people in the past of our you know, Peter Drucker, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I mean, every, every productivity teacher of all time have said that in some way or another. Productivity really requires a tremendous amount of focus on PQO, prolific quality output. What are the outputs that matter the most here? How do we increase those and make sure that they align with organizational outcomes that we're really after? And then again, the question is the high performance. How do we do that without burnout, managing stress, and keeping positive relationships here? Next up, develop influence. Don't you and I live for this? Helping leaders become leaders, helping leaders become better leaders, helping the people understand how much they influence their coworkers, the culture, the energy, the workspace. I mean, how important is this right now? And you and I, I think could both, if we were sitting across the lunch table right now, we could have a conversation about this and we would see culturally all over the globe that people are failing to understand how to have good influence that when we lack leadership or when people aren't able to have honest discussions, aren't able to be authentic or transparent and aren't able to galvanize one another to work together, we have societal problems. But you see this in your organizations all the time. Leaders who have strengths, leaders who are liked, but they couldn't lead anybody to the lunchroom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like influence, there is science to influence. Great leaders are helping shape other people's thoughts. They teach people how to think, but they do that Socratically. They help people find their own answers. They challenge people. They challenge people on their contributions, on their character, on how they connect with other people. They're challenging them. And they role model the way. This is actual science to influence, not a, I, we'd sure like a better leader, but we don't know how. No, there's, those are the three pillars of developing influence. And once we 
lock that as a habit in and people know that they're doing it on purpose. Now we can develop greater influence on your teams. And you and I both know you develop greater influence on your teams. What else happens? You increase productivity. You increase performance. The culture feels better. Leaders are more enabled. I mean, the alignment happens. Almost everything lacking in an organization tends to come from clarity, the first habit, and influence, the ability to influence productive ends. So as I shared that with you, you see how all these habits tie together to create high performance. And the last big piece, develop courage. High performers are developing courage. They're, in, they're empowering courage on their teams and in the organization, in their culture. They're allowing and creating safe spaces for people to contribute, but to take bold action that is rewarded and not vilified. And tell you what, I mean, you've not seen a lot of celebration of the courage that has happened this year, but I, I, I don't know about you and how you celebrate your teams, but I hope you are celebrating the courage. It takes a lot of courage to adapt this environment. If you're on something like this, I celebrate you because you're still learning in a very difficult time. It takes a lot of courage to keep going, to try new initiatives, to try new tools, to, to try to change things. And you're doing that. So these are the high performance habits. Seek clarity, generate energy, raise necessity, increase productivity, develop influence, demonstrate courage. And what you will love, like I learned, like learning practitioners out here, what you will love is each of these has its own framework. Each of it has proven practices. We have tools that measure these things. If you're going to focus on something to end the year strong and make next year extraordinary, it must be habits. And there are specific ones to measure and the specific ones to roll out. And that, I hope, served you today with this presentation. I'd like to end real briefly by just saying to you, I honor your work. You are underappreciated and undervalued, but I want to let you know your role right now is the most pivotal role in the organization's future. Because if you get the people performing again, if you get the culture aligned again towards performance outcomes that will save the company, grow the company, expand the company during this time, you'll have competitive advantage that will never be able to be caught up on. Because whoever gets there first with their people wins. All right. Hey, my friend, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you're ready to go to another level, don't forget, go to hpxcoaching.com. Let me be your coach. Let me spend the first of each month with you, giving you a personal development seminar. Let me help you get unstuck, break through your emotional blocks, find your real clarity, your real passion, your real purpose, and implement the habits that you know you need to implement. Change your life by getting a coach, getting some expert guidance. Listen, you got as far as you could get. You're here, you're, you, 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 you achieved so much in your life, but to go to another level requires another level of mindset, another level of discipline, another level of direction and community and consistency. And that is what my coaching program is all about. So go to hpxcoaching.com. And listen, if you're ready to go to a whole other level, I'm hiring. Please go to brandon.com forward slash hiring for our open roles. I got a big secret project that we are rolling out and you'll only find information on that at brandon.com 
forward slash hiring. We've got, I don't know, 10 or 12 open positions there. If you ever wanted to work with me, if you wanted me to be your leader, you wanted me to literally employ you and help you grow in your career and do what we do, serving this mission of helping people around the world achieve their dreams faster, helping them improve their lives. We live every day as a team to do that, and we are currently hiring. Uh, we're building out a new product, and we need some people to help us do that. Brendan.com forward slash hiring. If you don't know how to spell my name, don't even think about it. <laughs> we're looking for people who are pros. Uh, if you're interested in internship with me, don't go there. We're not hiring interns. If you're interested in starting your career with me, don't go there. We are an A team here. We've got people who are really experienced. So if you're new to personal development or you're new to marketing, you're probably not going to be the person we're looking for. We're looking for people with at least three years of professional experience in a lot of different roles because we take this role very seriously. We get to change lives and millions of them every single day. That's the work. So we're looking for real pros, top of your game, ready to come on to an organization that reaches just as many people in the world as any other personal development influencer or trainer on the planet. And we'd be excited to have you join us in a big new initiative we're rolling out for the beginning of the year. I can't even tell you any more about that. Go to brendan.com forward slash hiring if you'd like to work with us. And if you just want to go to another level and have me as your coach, not your boss, go to hpxcoaching.com so I can give you a brand new personal development session this month to help you set your goals, get on track, get unstuck, and achieve your ultimate difference. Go to hpxcoaching.com for that. Thanks again for listening to The Brendan Show. You all mean so much to me. I have so much coming out in the next couple of months for you here that's going to be unique and special, and I know you're going to love it. So keep your head up. I know it's been a hard year. Please remember, as always, you are stronger than you think, and the future holds good things for you. Hey, it's Brendan, and I want to tell you about Circle and how powerful it is if you're trying to build your online community outside of Facebook groups. You know, I had this problem a couple of years ago where I just started noticing when I was running a Facebook group, um, really, Facebook was incentivized to kind of steal my customer and steal my audience. So they'd recommend other things I didn't like, or honestly, my members were losing my posts in the feed. I didn't really have the information or the data about the people in the group that I wanted. It was hard to actually communicate with them offline, out of the group. And most importantly, it was hard to sell stuff and have an actual business from it without driving them to other places. And then came along Circle. And it's just at the website circle.so. So just go to circle.so. And you can see that they have built this incredible platform that allows you to host a community, go live in that community, and really segment the community into these different spaces where you can give people access to different levels of content or community, which I absolutely love. Because you know, in my businesses, I've got new people coming in, I've got paying members coming in, 
I've got all these different products or courses or programs and, and they've always had these different logins. They've been all over the place. Now with Circle, it's in one place. My community can meet there. They can post, I can post. We can use like multimedia posts as well. They can post video or audio, so can I. I can organize things, all of my content in very unique places and grant access to only some people. And of course, I can have my team in there moderating the whole community with me. Everybody needs this. Everyone's trying to build their community, but they struggle. Like what system or what tools do you need to use or have? Trust me, building it out on your own, not an option. Too expensive, too time consuming. So go to circle.so and check it out. If you're trying to build a community and really maintain control of that community and do a great job serving them and building a business from it, go to circle.so. Hey, are you on my text list? Did you know if you're in the US, you can text me at 1-503-212-6125. I actually have that text number on my Instagram account bio as well, if you want to go check it out. It's just 503-212-6125. Literally just text me and say, hey, Brendan, or text me and say anything you want to say. If you want me to see it, just text me there. It's 503-212-6125. And it's my exclusive text list. And if you're not on it, it's where I share some of my most popular episodes. Or if I drop a new YouTube, I send it your way. Or if I have some kind of free thing going on the internet, I give that exclusive link out to that group. So just go there and text me, 503-212-6125. It's kind of cool. It's back and forth. This is my community text number. So tons of my community share you know, insights about what they're learning from me or just want to chat back and forth. And I'm in there. My team's in there. We really just try to engage you on a different platform. It's super fun. And again, anytime I have something special going out, this is the first group to know about it. So just go text me at 503-212-6125. Hey, I wanted to hop in here and share with you my love for community.com. Every major celebrity uses this. U.S. presidents use this. The biggest companies in the world use this. They give you a 10-digit phone number, but it's kind of like having an inbox for your texting. You can segment it to people um, and they can reply back. And it's just really cool because you can also send video and you can send audio. And it's so beautiful of a design that it's really easy to figure out. You know, I don't like all those other systems that send out like some weird little code that you just know is like a promotion. The reason they called it community.com is because they really believe you have to have a text community in the modern area. Texting adds a whole other level. People open up their texts way more. It's way more, you know, effective as a promotional vehicle. And it's something that I deeply, deeply believe in. In fact, I invested in them and I've advised the senior team. I'm telling you what, my audience loves it. It's increased the engagement across everything I do. And you can get a free demo when you go to community.com. Just like it sounds, community.com. Check it out. 